Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by Ryan Donnelly. And Ryan, uh, today we're, we're joined by a very special guest that is, I think, very timely for what's going on in college football. And I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to grandstand for very long here. Um, Ryan, why don't, why don't you go ahead and tell people what we're doing here today? Yeah, yeah, uh, I'm excited about this one. I know it's kind of an unusual release time for us. Usually we do the review preview in season, but uh, we're no longer in the regular season. We're in silly season with all these coach changes. Um, so we've got uh, former Notre Dame offensive lineman and, and current Tampa Bay Buccaneers lineman, uh, Rob Hainsey. Uh, Rob's a longtime friend of mine, joined the podcast. Uh, was a great, great player at Notre Dame, played under Brian Kelly for a long time. And and obviously with Notre Dame in the news, I thought no better time to have Rob on. So, uh, Rob, first of all, thanks for coming to the podcast, man. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. I'm excited to talk about it. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, first thing, the obvious question on everyone's mind that I'm sure you know we got to ask you is just, uh, what was your reaction yesterday when you heard the news? And and how are you feeling now about everything with, with Brian Kelly mm-hmm. leaving Notre Dame? And, and where are you at on it? My reaction yesterday, I thought was pretty funny. Like when I first saw it, I was like, it didn't really feel real. I called uh, Brock Wright and Tommy Kramer, two of my best friends, and Ian Book, and we talked. We ended up talking for a long time last night about a bunch of stuff, but this specifically a ton. And I was like, this like, this is crazy because I saw a bunch of the rumors and all that. Um, I remember seeing him. And I was like, there's. I didn't really see him going anywhere. I didn't really expect anything to happen, even because he's been rumored places before. And I was like. No, why would he leave another name? But lo and behold, here we are. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy, right? Like, I, I think before today, or I'm sorry, before this week, rather, if you look back at, like, the history of big-time coaches leaving big-time programs, it's not a very long list. It's like Jimbo Fisher left Florida State to go to Texas A&M. Uh, then you'd have to go back to, like, Bear Bryant in the 60s, last time to find it happening. And we had two in two days with Lincoln Riley going to USC – Obviously, your guys' rival, which is crazy. And then, uh, you know, Coach Kelly uh, going down to LSU. Um, man, how about that check, huh? $15 million a year. <laughs> Have you – I mean, I, I could never imagine a number like, like – I, I remember when it was record-breaking a few years ago to see, like, Nick Saban get seven, eight million, yeah. And now Nick Saban's going to be, like, the sixth highest paid coach in college football this year. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot. It's, it's pretty hard to turn down to say no to that number. So I don't think you can blame him for that because, I mean, that's that's a lot of money. And I don't I don't know, ever know what he was getting in their name. I would imagine, like you said, something like six to eight probably. But 15 a year, you can do a lot of things. And, you know, LSU is a great program with great athletes. So they're going to have a – he's going to have a chance to do good things with that school too. So I, I know you said you had that big conversation with your guys yesterday. Is the mood, is it more uh, shock? Is it frustration? Is it just like blindsided? What's your headspace? Yeah, I mean, I think like the guy, the former players, the guys who are in the NFL now that I talked to that I mentioned earlier, like we were pretty surprised and ultimately just like we just had no idea. Didn't expect it to happen. And, you know, we found out the same time the players found out the same time the assistant coaches found out. So I think everyone was a bit, was all, uh, was all out of, out of whack. You know, I saw like a couple of tw- a tweet from like a, someone that said like one of the assistant coaches was just leaving the house recruiting and the news broke. He's like, so now I look like an idiot. So, I mean, that's, that's tough. You know, the guys I talked to on the team, they were just like, like what? Like, first of all, like it happens, but um, you hate to hear it from the media first. You wish you wish you would have been able to get up front and tell 
tell the guys that that's what was happening. I mean, that's what Clark Lee did a year ago. Uh, he, we heard it from him and he got up in front of the team and addressed us and extremely passionate speech. Like, you know how much Clark cared about us and how almost sad he was. Like he was excited to leave, but you could feel the sadness that he was leaving the guys when leaving that group. Um, from what I heard today, I'm sure you guys saw the reports, like called like a 7 a.m. meeting, talked for like five minutes. I guess didn't really want to answer any questions, didn't really want to look at anyone. Jack Schwarberg took the floor, and then he left like five minutes later and headed to the airport. So I think a lot of guys are pretty salty about that, which I would be too. I mean, at least at least kind of, you know, man-to-man straight up, apologize for the way it happened and go on about your business and just be truthful and be like, look, they, they're paying me $15 million a year, guys. Like, this is a great opportunity for me and my family. It's, <laughs> it is what it is. I think a lot of people can – I think everyone can respect that and be like, yeah, dude, I understand. That's that's life. That's business. It's the way it works. Sure. And, and that's something right? It's kind of come a lot in reports lately is there's a lot of like, I think there's a lot of sense that it, for a long time, people in college football pretended that this was amateurism, right? We pretended it was a different thing from, from pro sports and that yeah. uh, guys like, I mean, but we're at the point where it's pretty clear that it is major business, right? And it has been for a long time. Like when you're getting $10 million contracts for coaches, I don't, I don't want to hear that it's about amateurism anymore. And it's about, you know, these little little schools of tradition making differences. And I think to players and fans, it is that, but on these decisions, that doesn't come in. Like, I don't think that factored into anyone's head for a second in this. It is a bunch of guys that have a bunch of money to throw around looking at this and saying, who is the best coach that one has won the most games we can go get for the price tag that we have to offer. Yeah, uh, until this last year, it was a bit, it's a it was a business for everyone, but the players we were sure. Just, and now luckily like guys can use that NIL and stuff and, and make a business out of it for themselves if they so choose. And like, you know, like you mentioned that podcast earlier, like guys are in the podcast. I know the O-line has like a couple like food, like mission barbecue and like Jets pizza and South Bend local places that like they can go get a meal every now and then because, uh, because of it, which, when you're a college kid, that's all you could really ask for. I mean, if you're a big-time quarterback, <laughs> like, if that would have happened in 2020, 2019, like, Ian Book could have done it, could have done a number of things in South Bend and probably made a good amount of money because of who he was. And good for those guys. I mean, I think everyone deserves to get their share with the amount of time and work we put in as a college student and college athlete. You deserve to get a little bit of something back other than not downside, not, like, uh, minimizing the – pride it is to go and play especially at Notre Dame next to your brothers like that I mean that's 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 the, one of the greatest feelings ever but those little things mm-hmm. on the side, can make it fun for a lot of guys for sure and, and so I guess I'm curious now I mean you you played four years Notre Dame you started four years um you guys won 10 plus games every season you were there went to two uh New Year's six bowls top 12 finish every season um you know what now I guess how does this move if at all change Brian Kelly's legacy in our game in your mind? And how do you feel about your time spent with him and, and how, what this, what this move affects for you? Um, I don't think it changes his legacy. Uh, he did a great job at Notre Dame, all time winning his coach um, mm-hmm. and put a lot of good teams on the field, I think. But that being said, like, you know, I feel, I feel as if we went as far as we could go with him, honestly. And for everything he did there, you know, national championship in 2013, two college football playoffs over the last four years, maybe, th- maybe a third this year. Um, 
maybe it is time for a change for someone that could take that one more step because it's not like it's different than you know you get fired you go three and nine and get fired he's leaving a 10 win team five years in a row and with the right person picking up they can be be able to take that next step and get to that national championship and win it. And I think that's something that everyone that's a Notre Dame fan should be excited about. Well, you had a couple of things there I, I want to ask about. Um, one is an idea of like, did he find his ceiling at Notre Dame, right? Did he find, did he take it as far as he could go? And there's been a lot of discussion uh, I've seen in the last like days since this broke about kind of arguments he was having with Coach Schwarbrick about facilities and ideas of whether or not Notre Dame needed to um, do more for the players, the private chef, with training table meals, with uh, the facilities being built for players. I mean, obviously, there's no way we could ask that experience better than you. What are your thoughts on that? Like, is Notre Dame doing enough compared to its peers and friends you have at other schools? What was the experience like for you? So, start off by saying, after, I think after Pittsburgh for me, which is where I'm from, where I grew up my whole life, Notre Dame is the closest I feel to home anywhere. And I can't express enough, like, how much I love Notre Dame and how special mm-hmm. of a place it is because of the tradition and the way they do things and the way they carry themselves throughout throughout everything going on. I mean, even, like, last year with COVID, the ACC and other programs were waiting for Jack Swarbrick and Notre Dame and uh, Father Jenkins to make a decision on what we were going to do before they decided what they are going to do. We are like, it's a – and that was a pretty cool thing to know that like we're looked at as almost a standard when it comes to certain things. I will say Notre Dame is different in a lot of ways from Alabama, LSU, Ohio state, those kinds of schools. Whereas you get there, you get there on campus and your first semester, you're rooming with a student who's not an athlete. It's a random room assignment. Like any, like any other student would have, you have the option to switch and if you want, but a lot of guys do. And a lot of guys don't because you make, really special friendships with the people in your dorm and Notre Dame never really wanted it to be separate. Like there's not an athlete dining hall. We have a training table once a day. Um, but it's, it's not like that. And so those things can both help and hurt. And I think as a man and as a growing 18 to 22 year old, those things are incredible. But when you're looking at recruiting and what's what kids now want to see, that's almost a little bit of a, of a minus in their book, if that makes sense. That's actually fascinating. Yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know that. And I, I think, uh, as Patrick can attest to, we are guys that spend probably way too much of our lives than we should caring about college football. Yes, <laughs> so, uh, that, yes absolutely. That's never something I've heard before. Uh, that's actually it, fascinating to know. But, but like you know, I, I enrolled early, so I ended up. I lived with Brock Wright, my, my best friend. Uh, he played tight end. So since we came in early, we were roomed together. We roomed together all four years. Lived off campus together. But um, still, like, in our dorm, like, there's no Greek life at Notre Dame. I don't know if you knew that. So your dorm mm-hmm. take on, like, a, a role of, like, kind of like a, a family thing. And it's not you get to choose. You just get thrown in. And I made great friends in my dorm that I still talk to a lot. And then if I ever get a chance to see them, I look forward to it, stuff like that. So it's a pretty cool thing. But back to, like, my one of my gripes about Notre Dame was, like, Definitely, like I talked about, you talked about like a chef or a training table. Like we only got it once a day. And I was a guy that was always lighter, needed, was trying to put on weight. And when you don't have For that, sure. like Ohio State and Alabama, you can go into like a cafeteria all hours of the day and get food. That makes a difference. And I got a new, uh, new nutritionist there who's doing a good job. But you can only do so much with the resources given. And that's not a 
that's not a head coach thing. That's not a Jack Schwarberg thing or even a Father Jenkins thing. That's like a Notre Dame. That's just who Notre Dame is. And it would take a lot of people and a lot of swayed opinions to change that. And I don't know if that would change anytime soon or how they'll go about it. But you see, until we stop getting recruits, they're probably not going to change things. And I think we have a pretty good recruiting class coming up this year. So for sure they do getting these really good players. Yeah, I get that totally. And it's, it's, it's just a stark contrast. I think to what's going on in the rest of college football, where you can even look back to like Johnny Manziel's time, Texas A&M, right? I don't know if, I I mean, you were like in middle school and stuff going on. I don't know if you remember these stories or not, but you know, he was talking about being mobbed by the student body and taking all online classes as a result. And it was kind of like the start of this process of like, keeping college football players separate from the rest of the student body at these major universities and treating them like a pro football team. Like I know like a lot of places, like you said, have athlete only dorms, keep them sequestered away from their peers. And like, you only take online classes and you, you have to be in for a 6am lift. And then you go take a little bit of class you come back for practice and then, okay. Then you come back for training table. And it's like, you know, you only interact with the student body on off season weekends. Like sometimes if you're some of these guys, uh, and you might live in an apartment a mile away from campus. Like that's where your, that's where your facilities are at. Yeah. It's crazy compared to what my experience is like as a regular college student. Or you know, what I mean, it's it's a lot different. Yeah, like Notre Dame, there's eight thousand some undergrad. It's not very big. This campus is is spectacular, but it takes twelve fifteen minutes to get from one side to the complete other, which you're never really doing. Um, and so it's cool because you build relationships, like you've you pick your major, you build relationships with people in your grade or in your class, and then you pick your major and you have a lot of the same classes together. And an average classroom size in Notre Dame is probably like 20 people. So it's, it's pretty close knit. And like, you know, weekends you go out, you see the same people all the time, which, you know, at times you think, Oh, this gets kind of old, but looking back, like it's yeah. very, it's very cool. And as you mentioned, like Ian book, one of the, the most famous person on that campus our senior year, junior and senior year, he still went to class. He still did everything else. No one's mobbing him, but people might might double take and look at him. But like, sure. uh, he's just a normal guy, and that's what's cool about Notre Dame because you can just be a normal guy and you can be a normal student. And as I mentioned before, like, I think you lose a lot of that growing as a man and as a as a person in society when you're not held to that standard that we were of having to go to class of having to do everything right and do it on time and get your work done because football doesn't last forever. Everyone's got to go do something else. And Notre Dame teaches you in more ways than one, how to grow up and, and become a better person. For sure. For sure. That's awesome. And, and um, something else we touched on, just kind of get back to the kind of the coaching front. I know you mentioned, uh, you mentioned to me in the past, you have a good relationship with, with Jack Swarbrick and um, that you were talking to some of the guys uh, that you played with and, or maybe in your recruiting class about, kind of what's next now, uh, right? With you, know, you mentioned Clark Lee's name, leaving to Vanderbilt, and I know he's a guy you had a good relationship with. But um, I guess what are you hearing from your peers and from your, your former teammates uh, in terms of what's next for Notre Dame? I know it's a very early reaction, but just curious to hear your yeah. thoughts. I think I'm in the same boat as everyone else, whereas, like, I know, like, there was a co- – I think there was always a couple names on the short list for Notre Dame. You know, I think, like I said, I think I mentioned to you, like, if – Clark would have stayed this last this year and was a defensive coordinator and everything played out the exact same. I don't think it would be a question that he would probably be the quick fill in as a next head coach, but he did leave and he's at Vanderbilt. So, I mean, I know a lot of people want coach Freeman who I've only met, I think once briefly, even if that, and he seems, he seems, but the way he coaches, I love the way he coaches. I love the way the guys on the defense talked about him um, over the year. 
And then I know like Luke Fickle is a, another name that everyone had been throwing out there. And I think he always, I think he had even said like he'd want to coach at Ohio, head coach at Ohio State or Notre Dame. Um, I mm-hmm. met him a couple times growing up or in high school through recruiting. Always seemed like a stand-up guy. I mean, uh, what he's done in Cincinnati has been awesome. He's had a, he's had a great run there, and I think he'd be a great guy to replace. But you know, they'll hire someone to find the next person and trust them that they'll they'll pick the right person for Notre Dame because you have to like the constraints kind of I mentioned before. You add in all that, getting recruits there, and then you add in the academic standards and what they have to do to get there. Like, it's a little bit harder to get recruits there sometimes, but we still manage to do it. So anyone who can deal with those constraints as a recruiter, I think, is going to be a great choice. And you got to give Fickle, Fickle uh, credit for this, man. He is signing one of our Gateway Gators this year. I don't know if you heard about that. Uh, he's got uh, Bodie uh, coming from uh, – Patrick Bodie, I believe is his name. He's a defensive back. I'm going to pull it up real quick. Um, is I believe about to sign with Cincy. Um, Love that. Yeah, he's. I think he's committed as a like receiver or corner hybrid uh, in this class. Love that. Good for him. He's the <laughs> he's the guy. I don't know if you saw this clip this year, but they were playing a game against uh, uh, Woody High, and uh, the, uh, he had a pick, and a referee got in the way, and he just absolutely knocked the guy out by accident. I it was fun around social media. Uh, also, send it your way if I can find it again. But um, that's awesome. Let's find enough Gators talk. I can do that all day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, you know, do you have any strong leanings on who you want to see next? Whether it's it's Coach Freeman, whether it's Fickle, or I know Matt Campbell's name's been out there a lot. Any guys you like a lot? I don't know. Like, I don't know anyone well enough to to say. I think. Um, those are just the names I've been hearing. I've always thought Fickle would be a good replacement. Um, but, yeah, I guess, like, I just don't really know enough about any of them to say who I would like, especially since I'm not there anymore. So, but like I said, I trust, I trust Swarbrick will pick the right people to make the hire and it'll be, a, it'll be a good process. And hopefully they have the leaders on the team uh, that are going to be seniors next year involved, because I think that's, very important like we did that with the uh like the tight ends coach when john mcnulty came in uh, me and mm-hmm. our tight ends older guys ian book were a part of that conversation which i think <clears throat> matters a lot because that's that's who that's who you're playing for you should have some input uh speaking of i i know you had a couple position coaches in your time at college right because you had coach jeff quinn and also uh, uh harry Heastan when you signed is that did you ever play for harry or was he okay um, you know, I, I know there's been a lot of talk about who Brian Kelly may take with him to LSU and that Tommy Reese is his top uh, option for OC. Um, do you have any thoughts on those guys or whether they're going to stay or go? Have you heard anything uh, on that front? I haven't heard anything. I don't know, uh, what they're thinking. I will say that Tommy is an outstanding man and coach. I loved, love playing for him. He's a quarterback coach the first three years. And loved having him around, just an awesome guy. And then stepped up to offensive coordinator role and just blew it out of the park. I mean, who, whatever he does, I know he's going to be successful. I don't know. I would assume he would try to bring people with him. I just don't know who. And mm-hmm. of those people he would try, I don't know who would go or try to stay. And then, it, you know, it depends on uh, the coach coming in, on who he wants to bring with him. And I don't know. For sure. How that will all work out, but – that's probably the way I see it. 
So I'm curious, this is kind of not really Notre Dame related, I guess, but uh, do you think Coach Eastand is uh, retired, retired, or just retired so he gets the right job? Or uh, what do you think he's doing? I don't know. Man, I talked to him. I talked to him a couple times a month probably, and he's just enjoying himself right now. Uh, his son's at Air Force, playing at Air Force, so getting enjoying to watch him play and, you know, doing his own thing uh, prior to – They've got a nasty O-line there too. Have you watched them play? They're good. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's awesome. Um, but, like, I mean, like he did a big thing with Joe Moore, uh, kind of like a tri- – not a tribute to Joe Moore, but a collection of all his teachings and – Cause that's who he learned under. And so after pro day, you know, me, Tommy Kramer, Liam Eikenberg, Aaron Banks were all up at South Bend. And we, we, um, did kind of like a clinic where he went through stuff on the board, talking about the way Joe Moore taught things and then filmed like some drills. So I know he was working on a collection of that stuff to get out there, the people trying to teach offensive line the right way, which I think is awesome. Cause you know, that's, that's the way I learned. That's what I firmly believe in. And he firmly believes in. So I think it's going to be, I think when he finishes up that project, it'll be a very cool, very cool offensive line tool. Cool. Cool. Um, Patrick, I, I want to ask you, jump in here. Do you have any questions for Rob about their name or kind of what's next with the job or, or the program? Anything I, you want to add in? I have a very on brand question about line play specifically. Um, okay. I love watching specifically last year, the, the way that you all pass protected with in, in, you know, helping with, uh, Kyron Williams and how Kyron helps in the backfield. What does that do for you as an offensive lineman when you have a running back who blocks like that? Because I, I love watching that guy block. I also love watching that guy block. <laughs> I, Kyron's a special dude, man. I mean, like, ever since he first got there, he was a, a vocal guy, an energy guy, brings a juice no matter what, isn't scared of anything or anyone. So, like, even as a, a captain my junior and senior year, he was a guy I leaned on. To, to bring the juice to practice or the games because you can't tell you can't you can't get once he's going you can't get him to stop and the way he would like if you watch our Clemson game in the regular season like there's one Sklasky comes right up to a gap Kyron just sprints right in there stones him and it's just those things are just get you excited so when we go back and watch the film I always made a point to tell him like dude that was that was awesome I love watching him he run. sat him down I remember that play yeah <laughs> So having a guy like that that brings that kind of juice and isn't isn't afraid at all to stick his face in there and help us out because he appreciates how much how much we do for him and we appreciate how much he does for us. Um, we know we can't do without each other. So having a guy like that is is a game changer. It, it almost seemed at times, and you can you can correct me if I'm wrong here. It seemed at times like you were able to do a little bit more in your your protection schemes, be a little bit more open with it because you knew that you had a running back who could take on blitzers and things like that. Is that is that something you can do when you have somebody like that? Yeah, I think I think part of that is just we were a veteran group that last year, uh, team as a whole, but offensive line. Obviously, all of us have been playing together for three or three years, three four years, so we knew we played a lot of football together and having Kyron back there, like he was a guy that we could use him as if he needed to be in pass pro, if we knew blitzes were coming, he'd be in there. But as a guy where if he didn't, he could sneak out and catch those passes in the flat and, and get yards every time. So it gives, it definitely gives you a lot of freedom as an offense to have a, a strong pass protection and a running back who can step up, step up if needs need be, and then get out and make a play with the ball. For sure. 
Um, I, I think that's all I have with regards to questions. I've just I've been I've been remembering watching him block and, and remembering watching how he worked with you guys <laughs> and just having a great time thinking about that because I uh, I think that was one of my favorite college football things last year was just watching watching the the Notre Dame offensive line and then also this little ass running back just kicking the shit out of people. <laughs> he's a dude man he is an actual dude i i really do wonder i know it's like not the most pressing question but i do wonder where he goes in the draft i feel like it's kind of a wide open running back group this year there's not like a a Najee harris like it was last year right i mean Bijan's a year out it's gonna be fun to see where he goes i agree whoever gets him is gonna get a is gonna get a hard work and a great player though so he's gonna he's gonna excel at the next level because of who he is and, and the way he does things so i'm excited to see that as well cool um, well, Rob, I want to ask a couple questions about kind of uh, your experience in the NFL so far. Before we do that, do you have any more thoughts on kind of Notre Dame and what's going on? Anything else you want to share in terms of the job opening or um, anything on that front? Yeah, I guess the only thing I'd say is that, you know, no matter who's there, I talked about the tradition Notre Dame has, like no matter who's there coaching, who's there playing, whoever's there doing anything, Notre Dame's always going to be Notre Dame. And because of that, <clears throat> when you have the right people in place, things are going to get done right and done well. So I don't think anyone should worry about what's going on because I know that they're going to put the right person in place to keep doing the job. And it, it's the house that it's played. My girlfriend was like, it's the house that Rockney built, not the house that Kelly built. It's always going to be the house that Rockney built. And it's always going to be Notre Dame. And the tradition is always going to be there. And the people who are there love it so much that they're not going to let anything bad happen to it. So I'm excited to see what happens in the future with it. Cool, man. Love it. Love it. Um, well, I, I know I'm curious to ask. It's, it's something I've been, <laughs> I haven't had a chance to ask yet this season. Uh, man, what's it like playing with Tom Brady? It's pretty awesome. I will say that, you know, he's to be able to be in the rooms with that guy and on the field with him. I mean, he's, he's Tom Brady. Everyone knows that, but just seeing the way he works and the way he leads and the way he manages things we need to work on is pretty outstanding. He's, a, he's the ultimate leader and ultimate teammate. So, Anytime he doesn't have to take the time to work with me if we have if we have downtime in between periods or something, but he does. He we didn't have to start meeting on Fridays just as an offense without coaches to go over our run game to make it better, but that's what we do because those are the things that make a difference. Um, and he knows that and it has made a difference. So every you know, he speaks, everyone's listening and you know that he's gonna lead you exactly where we need to go because he's been there and knows exactly what he's doing. I know you guys, you guys mashed the mass this week too, right? Lenny had four touchdowns uh, this past week. Uh, how are you feeling about the old line and how things are coming together with your run game this season? I think it's awesome. <clears throat> I mean, our group, I love the group I'm with. All these guys are extremely helpful, great players, um, always there to help make us, help make me better, you know, and the way that we work throughout practice and the meetings, everything's very detailed and the, just the way we go about our business, I think allows us to be successful on Sundays. For sure. Um, for, on a personal front, how has the adjustment from uh, high-level college football to you know high-level NFL football been for you? And, and what's the uh, what's the learning curve been like? Definitely a learning curve just on in that aspect of you know who you're with, the guys, <clears throat> the guys you're going against in practice. I mean, me switching. I mean, I'm primarily playing center now, so going from tackle to center is the biggest difference for me, and that obviously has a huge learning curve. But you know, like I said, Ryan Jensen in front of me to learn from. A.Q. Shipley coaching, who played 12 years from Moon, PA. Whip you a Hall of Famer. Don't forget that. Let's go. <laughs> Having like guys like that to help me 
learn this position has been really good, uh, really good for me in taking the next step, I guess, as a center. So that's been, that's part's been awesome for me. Yeah. I mean, center was never your position coming up either. Right. Has it been, I mean, has that been something that's been tough to learn for you? Uh, it, there's ups and downs, but ultimately, you know, it's a completely new thing. So you're taking it one day at a time, just trying to always improve and get better at it. And I definitely have been, and I can see and feel myself doing things better. So that's always good, good feeling. You're going to have bad plays and such, such and such, but, you know, just being able to move on from that, correct it, learn from it and not make the same mistake twice is probably the biggest, the biggest thing. It's been going well. Cool, man. Love it. Love it. Uh, Patrick, anything you have here? No, I don't think so. Cool. Well, Rob, uh, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today, man. We really appreciate it. Uh, it was great having you on. Uh, please say hi to your family for me, of course, and all that. Uh, but just uh, love having you in the pod. And and uh, once Notre Dame, uh, you know, once they make their move and hire their new coach or, or you know, they might be in the playoff in a couple of weeks, too. we got to look into that. Uh, we'll have to uh, reach back out to you and grab your thoughts, see how things going. So we're excited to, uh, to keep hearing from you. And, and uh, thanks once again. Absolutely. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks so much, man.